Thank the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would open them to the book of Matthew, chapter number 21. Matthew, chapter number 21. We'll be reading a passage in the Bible which is unique. It's unique in that the, the, there's, four, there's four books that begins the New Testament. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All these men were contemporaries of the Lord. They were eyewitnesses of the Lord, of the things that took place in his life. And they wrote their account and their perspective of what took place during the life of Christ. Uh, some incidents were only recorded in one book. Some incidents were recorded in two or three. But in this particular case, all four Gospels recorded this particular story. Now some of them were written from a different perspective and when you read that one person says one thing and then another person said something a little bit different, it doesn't mean that they're contradicting one another in the scripture. It might just be that one was focusing on one particular aspect and one was focusing on another. But this was such as the case when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on his last week as he spent uh, that the, la- the last week that he spent on this planet. Uh, Matthew chapter number 21 and verse number 1, the Bible declares, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come unto Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto me, uh, unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. It's an amazing thing, this story that we have read about. It Again, this was written about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want to read parallel accounts of this, Mark chapter number 11 records it. Luke chapter 19 records it. And so does John in the 12th chapter records it. However, this morning we're going to be focusing on this subject that we find in Matthew chapter number 21, where the Bible says that the Lord hath need of him. 
The Lord hath need of him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the good blessings that you've shown us in our lives and the blessings you've given us this past week. Lord, uh, we've gathered in your name here this morning. We ask for your blessing around the preaching and the teaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our understanding to it. And also pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts today. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. The story is here at the end of Jesus' life. This is actually the last week that Jesus would be on the earth. He comes into town and people are praising him, saying Hosanna to Jesus. They're praising him. The Bible talks about this. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. If you're here in the book of Matthew, just before Matthew is the Old Testament book of Malachi. And just before the Old Testament book of Malachi is the book of Zechariah. If you would take your Bible and turn there. Again, if you find Matthew chapter 1 and flip back a few pages, you will run into Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 9 is where an Old Testament prophet, hundreds of years before Jesus was on the earth, said this in chapter number 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Zechariah 9 and 9. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. This was a prophecy. It was uttered hundreds of years before Christ was born. It is an amazing thing to think about the prophecies that were given about the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that the Old Testament declared about him. If you're here in Zechariah, if you'd flip back a little bit further to the book of the Psalms. Psalms. I've always made it a custom to open my Bible directly to the middle, and you should find the Psalms and the Proverbs. And the Psalms really is the very middle of the the Bible. Psalm chapter number 22 is where we'll turn. You know, one of the things that proves so much that Jesus Christ was the Son of God was the historic writings that we find here in the Bible and the prophecies that were mentioned about him hundreds of years before he arrived on the scene. Psalm 22 begins with the very words that Jesus cried from the cross. If you go to the New Testament and you see when Jesus was dying, one of the statements that he made from the cross was found in Psalm 22 and verse 1, which he also uttered in the New Testament, of course. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These were words that Jesus uttered from the cross, speaking of God the Father turning his back on God the Son as he bore the sins of the world. Notice down in verse number 16. It's an amazing thing that this prophecy was written. You know when David penned this in Psalm chapter 22 that no man had ever been crucified? No one had ever even thought that crucifixion would be a way to put somebody to death. How a man would be nailed to a cross by his hands and by his feet. Yet David prophetically spoke in Psalm chapter number 22 at the end of verse number 16. He said, they pierced my hands and my feet. This is a prophecy written approximately a thousand years before Jesus was born. It was prophesied that Jesus would have his hands and his feet pierced. 
Another prophecy that was fulfilled here we read in Zechariah how that Jesus would come into town riding upon this colt. If you flip your Bible back to Matthew chapter number 21, Jesus is coming here to the end and he tells his disciples that he, he has a need for something to take place. You know, everything had been made ready throughout the life of Christ. You know, if you consider all the good things that the Gospels say about Jesus Christ, He did everything He was supposed to do. In John chapter number 17, when He was praying, before He went to Calvary, they call this the intercessory prayer to His Father. Jesus said these words in John 17 and 4, I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work that Thou gavest Me to do. Jesus did everything he was supposed to. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were, yet he was without sin. There's only one man that's ever lived on the face of this world who has never sinned. And sir, I assure you, it is not you. Ma'am, I can assure you, no matter how good of life you lived, and no matter how good you think you are, have you ever met somebody who thought they were that good? <laughs> you might remember the, the rich young ruler came to the Lord, and the Lord put him under the law. He said, I've done every, everything. All this I've done from my youth. I just want to say this. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person on the face of this planet who has obeyed God to every jot, to every Tittle, who has done everything exactly right, who has done things without sin, with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He did everything his father told him to do. You know how hard it is not to lose your temper with people who are foolish? Some of you, maybe even this week at your Thanksgiving dinner, seeing extended family might have had to deal with something that we would call in my neighborhood foolishness. You ever struggle to tolerate a family member? How many of you just, you know, you, you, you know, is this a real spiritual church where nobody's ever had a problem with their mother-in-law? I could tell a, a mother-in-law joke, but my wife has told me to stop it. I've got a couple of real good ones. Uh, you know, sometimes around the holidays, you, you see people that you don't often see, and they test your patience. You ever lost your, pa you, you ever lost your temper? You ever, you ever did something we would call sinning? I shouldn't have done that, but I did. And sometimes when you do what you shouldn't have done, it felt good. <laughs> it felt good to, I'm going to give them two, two cents worth. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Some of us need to keep that peace to ourselves. Amen. But, you know, sometimes people test our patience. I have all five of my children here today. Can I talk to you a little bit about people who test your patience? I love my children. But every one of them at times have been a test to my patience. Some of them right now are talking in the middle of church. They're testing my patience. My youngest too. They're not even paying attention to the thing I'm saying. Look at them talking to each other. There's back here. Jonathan just told them. Hey, they're yapping. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling on you two. I'll, I'll bring you down here to the front. They test my patience. Sometimes your children, they, they get you to a place where it's like, didn't I just say this to you? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I warn you? You know, there's some times where a, a particular family member tests you more than another family member. 
Now, I'm not going to go into telling stories here today. All I'm saying is, for Jesus to have lived all his days on this earth, some 33 and a half years, and never lost his temper to the point where it was sinful. He never dishonored his parents. He never thought a thought of lust. He never got so angry at someone where he wished them dead, including people who were going to be beating on him and spitting upon him and plucking his beard from his face and putting a bag over his head and smiting him with something that's just like a baseball bat. He didn't get angry at them. He actually prayed these words, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. That's what kind of Savior we have today. But he had need of something. He was going to be riding into town. We're about to celebrate what we call Christmas here and the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a great blessing when Jesus was born to this world. And no doubt over the next few weeks we'll be preaching messages about the angels that came to those shepherds which were in the field watching over their flocks by night. And they they came and they came singing and they said, glory to God in the highest. And then they said these words, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You ever had a home that had no peace? You ever lived in a place in this world where peace was far, far to be found? You you couldn't find it. My heart's at unrest. Nothing in my life is right. Everything is in turmoil. But when Jesus came to this earth, those angels told those shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And they told those men that were out in the field, those poor shepherds, that they needed to go on into town. And they said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. When you come into that town, you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying somewhere where you'd never see a young baby ever laid, laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. I thank the Lord for Jesus coming to this earth. I thank the Lord for him being willing to go through all life and be tempted. You know, Jesus was tempted of of our great enemy, the devil. The devil is real. Satan is real. He tempted Jesus. This was one of the first tests that Jesus had during his public earthly ministry is that he he was tempted to the devil. And Jesus came through with flying colors. He quoted the scripture every single time to the devil. And the Bible said the devil left him. The devil will leave you too if you keep quoting the scripture to the devil. The Bible says to resist the devil, not to give in to the devil. That's the issue with many people today. They run to the devil and they act like he's their friend. The devil is not your friend. The devil will tell you that you're eating steak and potatoes when you're eating crumbs. The devil will tell you he's giving it to you good when you're laying half naked in a ditch, wounded and bleeding. That's what the devil does, but Jesus will set you at a table. He'll put you in a family. He'll put you in a place of love. He'll put you in a place of respect. Our Jesus leads us to different places, but he was willing to come to this earth, Jesus was, tender and lowly and meek and humble, and he was willing to pay for our sins. He was coming to the end of his life. He'd done everything that he was supposed to have done. Jesus proved himself that he was God in many ways. He brought sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He called Lazarus out of the tomb after he'd been dead for four days. Had anybody even heard of somebody being raised from the dead when they'd been dead four days? Not even Lazarus' sisters believed that that was possible, but Jesus did that. 
It had never even been heard that somebody who was lame from their mother's womb could be spoken to and that he'd say, rise, take up your bed and walk, and that he was given his, the ability to walk. Nobody had ever even heard of that before, and Jesus did all that. Jesus proved himself with many things, many miracles, but now he's going toward the end of his life, and he said, this is what needs to happen. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of in the Old Testament. That he needed to go, that his disciples were going to go, and that they were going to go over to this little village, and they were going to find these animals. Now, the Bible says in verse number 2, and this is Old English terminology, when they talked about donkeys, they would call a donkey, and this was even here in the United States of America a couple hundred years ago, they would be called an ass. You shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Now, many people who've not been raised around farm animals, as I was not, you know, I knew nothing about farm animals. Very, very little. I hadn't been raised on a farm. I was raised in Detroit, East Detroit. The only animals we had, I got a dog when I was young. His name was Benji, novel name. I like that dog. I tortured that dog. No, I'm just kidding. I just, you know, I just, you know, you ever seen a dog didn't want to be petted and you wanted to be alone and go to sleep? I'd always want to have my companion. I love that dog. My dad was my hero when he brought that dog home from Bowling that Saturday night. It was a blessing. But I, I didn't, I didn't have animals. Now my sister had some animals, and it seemed like every time, she, you know, they'd end up dead somehow. She had a hamster one time, and she put it on that little wheel. We come home from church one night, and she left the hamster on the wheel, and it was rigor mortis on the wheel. Ran the thing to death. <laughs> seemed like everything that my sister owned died. This is another preaching sermon in that. I'm just kidding. Some of you aren't enjoying this as much as I do. When I moved to Missouri, it was my first country stop in life. We bought a property with six acres, and it had water running through it. And uh, one, of my, one of my friends, I'm sure I told you this before, some of the farmers in our church said, Brother Bujack, you've got a property that's just set up for animals. And I said, you don't understand. I don't know how to take care of animals. And uh, the first, first uh, couple of months that we lived there, somebody gave me a sheep. And uh, instead of feeding the sheep over the winter time, we had the Passover at our house. And um, the guy come over and he said that uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you nine roosters and or I'm going to give you nine hens and one rooster so that we could have homemade eggs. And as those little chickens grew up, it was nine it was nine roosters and one hen. And I knew what those then those that poor hen was running for her life the whole time. Basically, all the animals that we got over there they ended up dead. My wife started raising chickens in the house one time, and they had something over there called dive bomb hawks. Anybody know what a dive bomb hawk is? It's those little hawks that'll fly around, and they see them little birds out there. They'll come dive bomb them and kill them. And those little chickens that we raised in the house ended up half of them dead, and other ones maimed and decrepit, and uh, all different other things. All what I'm saying is, I wasn't raised in the South. I wasn't raised around farm animals. I wasn't raised around donkeys. But you know, a donkey in the old country, the way that, that our country was built, and the way that over in the Middle East, was a, it was a beast of burden. There were certain places that donkeys could go that horses couldn't go. And I'm not going to get into all the, 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 the great things about a donkey and how a donkey could carry things. But when the Bible speaks of this, the, the ass, it's talking about the, donk, the colt's mother. A colt was a male. A colt was a male donkey of the first through the fourth year. So it was a young donkey. 
And the Bible talks about him uh, in another passage of Scripture where it says that it was, a, it was a cult whereupon never a man sat. Nobody had ever sat on this cult before. Now one thing that I always knew about a donkey, and, and I, even though I'm not somebody who was raised in the south or on the farm, is that donkeys weren't known for their compliance. You know, a sheep was known for being led around. They're, they were more easy to be led. They were a, a kind creature. They were, uh, a sheep doesn't really bite. They just chew on that grass. They're a kind creature. But a donkey, I've heard some things about donkeys. You don't really want to get your hand caught into the teeth of a donkey. Uh, you don't want to be standing to the rear of a donkey after you have uh, smacked its hind quarters. Uh, donkeys aren't known for their friendliness or their kindness. They're actually known for their stubbornness. This was an amazing thing, though. This cult was brought, I believe, along with his mother. Matthew is the only account where you'll see that the cult and the ass were both brought to the Lord, but the Bible specifically declares that Jesus sat upon that cult and that no man had ever ridden on that cult before. What a privilege. What a privilege it was for this little donkey to be the one that was carrying the Son of God into town when he wouldn't leave there before he was crucified. It was a blessed, a blessed thing. So I started thinking about this donkey. I wanted to think about how that the Lord, the Bible said, Jesus said, if they ever ask you why you're untying this donkey, you tell him that the Lord has need of him. And what was that need? The need was the Bible said he was going to come into town riding upon that donkey or riding on that colt and he needed to get that colt to ride into town this last week of his life. It's a real blessing to think about how this colt was there when he was supposed to be. He was in his place. He was tied up. He said, you're going to go over into this village. And this is where you're going to find him. Those disciples are probably like, what is going on? Why is he telling us to go over here? And what, what if we go and we won't find him? You know, wherever the Lord tells you to go, and he tells you why to go, and you'll find something there. You know, if the Lord told you to get there, you're going to find it. Because it's going to be there just as he said. The Lord's not empty on his promises. And when they got there, they were untying him. According to all the scriptures, they were asked, what are you doing? Well, you know, if this was your animal, you say, what are you, what are you doing with them? And they were supposed to reply that the Lord hath need of him. I wonder today if the Lord had need of any of your stuff, would you give it? Would you say, sure, go on ahead. The Lord has need of that. If the Lord had need of it, would you be willing to give? Would you be willing to lend your things to the Lord? These owners of these animals were. But this colt had never been sat on before. I, I think of the availability of the colt. Now when it, when, it, when it comes to this whole issue of the Lord having need of him, I want to get one thing straight. This is, this is kind of a type of service. And when it comes to Christian service, the Lord can certainly use you. God's given every person in this room talent. And those talents should be used for the Lord. If you can sing, you should sing for the Lord. Brother John's asking for people to join the choir. Now some of you do not belong in the choir. Some of you, if you sang in the choir, the spirit would fly and people wouldn't come back if they visited here. And there are some people that are more making a joyful noise than singing to the Lord. I remember there's a man that's on in glory now and my dad used to lead a choir and he was wanting to join and his name was Brother Gale and Brother Gale was known one of his greatest abilities was coming to a potluck and he'd make a volcano on his plate. 
You ever seen a volcano at a potluck? It means that he put so much stuff on his plate, he couldn't get it back to the seat without it spilling off the side. That's what Brother Gale was known for. Well, he wanted to sing in the choir, and my dad was working him out. And he played two notes on the piano. I said, Gail hit the note where he was singing. He was like, hum. And Gail was like, hum. And like after two notes, my dad looked at me and he was like, just shook his head. No, this man does not belong in the choir. Because he couldn't sing. He couldn't hit a note. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, harmonize with other people. But there were some other things that Gail could do. Gail was chosen to be one of our ushers at church. I want to tell you something. When you come into church and Gail was holding that door open and he was smiling, you, you can hardly help but smile. Gail was a great, a great friend. He, I, I, I thank the Lord for Brother Gail. But you know, everybody's got a skill and an ability that God wants to use. And God wants to use it. But when it comes to salvation... I want to say this. It's not the Lord that needs you. It's you who needs the Lord. If you're not saved today, it's not Jesus that needs you. You say, well, I'm not going to do things Jesus' way. I'm not going to be like that cult. I'm not going to let nobody sit on me. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I'm not going to let anybody direct me. I'm going to do whatever I think is right. I'm going to do whatever feels good in this life. I want to tell you something. That's a good way to end up in a place called hell. Just because it feels good doesn't mean you ought to do it. Just because it feels right doesn't mean that you ought to do it. I just here to tell you here today, you it's not the Lord who needs you in the matter of salvation. You need the Lord. The Bible talks about that all men, you know, the f- most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. You might have seen that verse yesterday over a field goal uh, that, that the, the, the college football players were kicking as Michigan destroyed Ohio State. If you're from Ohio, I wore this tie for you today. <laughs> Scarlet and gray. You know why I wore this tie for those of you from Ohio? Because I love people from Ohio. They called Cleveland one of the biggest cities in Ohio. You know what they call that city? The mistake by the lake. It's a joke, friends. Now, I got, I got murdered when I came here because TCU beat my Michigan Wolverines. And when I walked into my office, they had my whole office decorated with balloons, and they stapled stuff to my walls. And this was one of the times where I looked at my staff and said, I will never forget this. And I won't. Say, so why did I talk about that? I have no, I have no idea. Hmm. You have need of the Lord when it comes to salvation. In, in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, if you want to flip your Bible, if you're in Matthew, if you flip over about three books to John chapter 3. Now most of us know this by heart, maybe the 16th verse you know by heart. But the Bible declares a few things in John chapter number 3 that you need to be aware of. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All of salvation is found in that verse. Many of the truths of salvation. God loved you enough to send Jesus Christ. You know why Jesus was riding into town on this colt? 
He was riding because he was coming to pay for all of your sins. Everything that you've ever done wrong, every dirty thought you thought, every sinful thing you've done, Jesus was riding into town because he was telling you, I am not going to let anything stand between you and God. I am making payment. I am making payment in full for your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave. God gave his son Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever, this is your part of salvation, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, faith, God doesn't make you believe. That's something that you do by choice. You say, I'm not so sure about the message of the Bible. There shouldn't be any message that you've ever heard in this life that's more trustworthy than what you find in this book. This book has been proven to be true before they knew that the, the, you know why they know that the world is a circle? Because they sent satellites up into space and they take pictures of it. This is not a flat earth. This is a circle. The Bible says, he that set it upon the circle of the earth, everything that the Bible said scientifically is true. They've tried to disprove this Bible in many ways. There's no other book that you'd ever read that you could put more faith and more trust in. It tells you about the Lord. John 3 and 17 says this. This is what Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. You say, you know, I come to church, I feel like I'm condemned. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. Verse 17 says this, For God sent not His Son into into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn you, He came to save you. In John chapter 8, there was a woman who was taken in the act of adultery, thrown before the Lord by the law. She was guilty. She was a sinner. And when Jesus got done getting rid of all of her accusers, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, no man, Lord. And he said these words to her, neither do I condemn you. Let me ask you a question today. If you're under conviction, have you ever seen Jesus and heard Jesus say that to you? I don't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn sinners. Jesus tells you to come unto him. You need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says he didn't come here to condemn you. He came to save. In verse number 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. So if you believed on Christ, you're you're not under condemnation. But he that believeth not, I'm not saved. I've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Bible further describes the condemnation in verses 19 through 21. But it sums it all up in verse number 36 of John chapter number 3. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. Our God chose his very best, his son, to come to this sin-cursed world and pay for all the sins that mankind had ever committed. If you choose to reject Jesus Christ, you'll do it to your own peril. It is not God that has need of you. It is you that has need of God. But once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has need of you as if he needed this cult. He needed that cult for his glory. He needed that cult to fulfill the scripture. He needed this cult that nobody had ever sat on before to be brought to him. And can you imagine a donkey that had never had anybody riding on him before? I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain that it's a miracle that the very first time someone sat on him, he just went wherever that he was led around. He went wherever he was supposed to go. He was willing to be directed. He was willing to be used for the glory of somebody else. 
I want to say this. The Bible talks about this in the book of Zechariah. I wonder, why did Jesus cho- choose a donkey, a young donkey to ride into town on? You know, if I'm thinking of something stately, if I'm thinking of something powerful, if I think of something glorious, you know, the one thing I do enjoy about living around here in Texas is as I'm driving home, I could see a couple of farms and they have those glorious creatures called horses running around. You know, there's something magical or glorious to me about watching that powerful creature run around. Horses are a beautiful creature. Why didn't Jesus come riding into town on a white horse? You know why Jesus didn't come riding in on a white horse? Because he wasn't coming in to condemn anybody. He came in meek and lowly. You know why he came riding in on a donkey? Because he wanted you to know if you're poor, he could identify with you. You know why he wasn't born in a Ritz Carlton? You want to know why he wasn't in a Hilton Garden Inn? You, you know why he didn't get, get born in the biggest hospital that was over in those parts? He came to a town and they didn't even have room for them in the inn. And the only place that he could be born was over in that little stable. Do you know why Jesus was born in a barn? Because he loved mankind. He didn't come here. He didn't come here the way he was in heaven to be worshipped and adored. He came here with a purpose because he loved you. There's not a person on the face of the earth who doesn't understand what Jesus did. Jesus, you say, I'm in pain today. I'm going through some physical problems. I want to tell you something. Nobody ever went through physical problems like Jesus. The Bible said that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Bible said that when he was beaten, he was irrecognizable as a human being. God removed his pain threshold from him. Most people have the pain threshold to where they go through certain kinds of pain. They'll just pass out, but not our Jesus. He was was beaten and he was beaten again all that pain he had to bear for us and his blood was shed you know the bible says when they they pierced his side after he was after he was dead they pierced his side it said blood and water come out you know what that's a sign of that's a sign that he had a broken heart there wasn't one drop of blood that jesus shed that didn't come out of that body friend it came out you know why that blood was shed it was shed for you shed because jesus loved you When Jesus was on that colt, he knew he was coming in there to die. I want to say this. You've never met a man like Jesus. You've never met a compassionate man like Jesus. You say, Pastor, I'm lost today. I don't know the Lord is my Savior. You can get saved today by coming and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all there is to it. I believe the Bible. I believe what God said about Jesus. He came to die for me. God loved me enough to send his son to die for my sins. I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ to save me from my sins. But some of you are saved, and you've come to the Lord in salvation before. But you know what? The Lord's not directing your life anymore. You're not like this little cult. You know, that cult was carrying the greatest blessing that was ever on the face of this earth. And the Bible gave a promise to Abraham back yonder in Genesis chapter number 12. It says, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a gift to this world. And he come riding in on that, that little donkey, that, the colt. And he sat. He was the blessing that God gave to the world. He was the blessing that God said, I'll bless your family. I want to say this. You can't receive Jesus Christ and not be blessed. And I want to say this also, you can't serve Jesus Christ and not be blessed. If you're a saved person today, I hope that you can identify with this cult. If the Lord says, hey, I need you, I need you to serve me, say, yes, Lord, take me where you want to go. 
If you want me to go into Jerusalem, I'll go there. If you want me to go up yonder, I'll go there. I'll, I'll follow you, Lord. I'll be willing to be led of you and, and guided by you. I'll let you, Lord, sit on my back and tell me where to go. I want to tell you something. Some, of, some men could get it through their head today that maybe Jesus should be the one who's guiding and directing instead of them. Some of us have made some pretty big mistakes when we did it on our own. But when Jesus leads you and when Jesus guides you, when Jesus directs you, he'll lead you to a place of goodness. Let me ask you a question, Christian. You've been saved by the grace of God. Are you like this cult? Are you available? Could you be able to say after Jesus met you, yeah, not, not at, after this day where it said never a man had sat on him before, there was a man who sat on him that day. You ever let the Lord sit on you and say, hey, this, go on over this way. Go on over that way. Some of us aren't humble enough to let God tell us what to do. I want to tell you something. There's a blessing in being humble. There's a blessing in acknowledging, Lord, I have need of you. Sometimes men are too proud. They say, I can handle all this life on my own. You can't handle life without the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to be directed? Are you willing to be used for the glory of God the Father? Jesus is approachable. You know, in Revelation chapter number 19, we read of a story that when Jesus comes back to this earth, he will be riding on a white horse. And he'll have a sword in his mouth. And you know what? Who's going to be with him? Everybody who received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're going to be with the Lord at that day. But Jesus wasn't coming here to make war when he came the first time. He came as the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world. Have you received Jesus Christ, God's gift? to you no matter where you came from you could be like me and you came from north of the mason dixon line you could be a lifelong texan you could have come from places like mexico and italy and other places in the world i don't know where your ancestry came from but jesus died for everybody he didn't die for white people he didn't just die for black people he didn't just die for mexican people he didn't just drive die for australians and he didn't die just die for people in china and he didn't just die for people in japan he died for the whole world we don't believe in a social gospel around here the bible says go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that means everybody needs to hear the message of the of the gospel now, if you've heard the message of the gospel to receive Jesus Christ, and you know I've never received Christ. I've been religious. I've gone to church. I know what the Bible has to say. I, wanna, I want you to understand this. You can know a lot about the Bible and not be saved. Just knowing about the Bible doesn't save you. It's receiving the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. If you've never done that, this invitation's for you. Let's stand together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we prepare to receive this verse of invitation. Maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart today. There could be somebody else here today, and maybe you're a Christian, you've believed on the Lord, and you're not acting like this cult who said, Yes, Lord, I'll come with you. I'll be, I'll be sat upon. I'll be directed. Maybe you need to get some things right with the Lord, or maybe... There's somebody in your life you want to come down to the altar and you want to pray for. Maybe you want to pray for yourself. Maybe you want to pray for a family member. Right down here in the front are these steps. People come down. This is a place of where we kneel and pray. Sometimes you need a place to kneel. You need to ask God to help you in your life. Brother John's going to sing this first verse with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. This is just a time for you to reflect upon what God's doing, what God wants from you. If he's spoken to you, 
I want you to feel comfortable to come. No one's looking around. As Brother John sings the first verse of this song, won't you come? My sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest. The best thing for you to do is what God told you to do. Say, Pastor, I'm lost. Come be saved. others God spoke to you you need to come don't wait don't put it off let's all sing on verse 2 for Jesus sing this one last verse. If no one else comes, we'll close.
people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to call our youth pastor, Brother Daniel Flores, forward to come and dismiss us from the pulpit. Thank you very much for attending services today. If you have your visitor card and you didn't put that in the offering plate, please give that to me on your way out. We'd love to have a record of your visit and send you something in the mail. And uh, you've really blessed us with your presence today, those of you who are visit, visiting. If you're a member of the Metropolitan Baptist Church and you're thankful for our visitors, why don't you go ahead and give them a round of applause. Amen. You are loved and appreciated here. Pray for those who you do not see. Brother Wayne Hudson is rarely out of church, but he's not feeling well today. Uh, pray for Brother Wayne. Brother Bill Piper, as you know, had to go to the hospital yesterday. His blood pressure was low. He texted me and told me that they've recovered that. And uh, so pray for him. We have some other of our members that are going through medical testing, and uh, they're going through health problems. Pray for those around us, but most of all, pray for the spiritual well-being of your congregation. You know, there's people in this church who need your prayer. The holidays are they're a difficult time. Uh, pray for your, for your friends and your loved ones. We're so thankful for Brother Daniel uh, being a part of this church. He's a great blessing to us. And Brother Daniel, you come and you pray and dismiss us, please. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I know that you're dealing with people here today, Lord, and I just pray that uh, they can come to a place of knowing that if they don't know Jesus Christ, that they need him in, the, in, in their life. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your love and, and coming to this earth and dying for our sins. Lord, I pray that as a church that we can honor you and glorify you in everything that we do. Lord, that this church can reach the, this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.